When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've reached the business end of the season. Hello and welcome to episode 37. Yes, if you're marking your scorecards now, that's episode 37 of the Real Football Cast. I'm your host, Dan Tracy, and in the next 60 minutes, we'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual, we'll be discussing what's been going on in the Premier League over the past few days. But in addition to that, there are also some off-pitch activities that caught our eye, and they'll be getting our attention in the next hour. It's time for another afternoon recording. Carl, the first team spot is looking firm and secure again. Hope another top performance is in the bag. How have things been with you, my friend? Yeah, really good, and looking forward to uh, having a chat with uh, yourself and uh, JS again. Yes, because the podcast store is back. JS from the excellent Football in the City website, the Dream Team is back together once more. JS, how have you been, sir? Very well done, thank you very much, and how are you? Yeah, good, mate, good. Um, good to sort of chat some uh, general football. It's been sort of, a, I guess, a couple of weeks now, stuff not really happening, a lot of filler, but we're back, the usual format. So, before we do all that, i best get do some social media bits first, otherwise we'll be talking to the Abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983. Anything show-related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. What is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's the company behind the new game, Last Man Standing, one which is free to enter. If this has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account, especially as there's a new prize pool which guarantees a winner £1,000, something you won't want to miss out on. The odds of winning are great, they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And where should we go first? Let's go to the top of the table and another set of twists and turns that have only added to the drama in this season's title race. So, the three of us, we discussed the game between Liverpool and Spurs from a Spurs point of view yesterday at length on the eSpurs podcast. So, um, you know... Feel free to check that one out after you've listened to this one. So rather than bemoan Tottenham's loss, we're going to look at it from a Liverpool point of view. And Cole, is Liverpool's luck going to carry them to the title? Because every time they've been asked a question by City, they're just about going and answer it. So is this a sign of a title-winning team or will their luck finally run out between now and May 12th? Um, well, I, I personally think that Liverpool may be the one team that that drop some points. You know, we may see that both teams actually drop points. Um, but as far as Liverpool are concerned at the moment, it will be just getting jo- getting a job done each week. Um, so they won't really mind in, in the long term how they get the results over the line. But obviously, they will want to possibly improve the performances slightly. You know, I mean, that their win against Spurs, obviously, you know, as we spoke about on Monday night from a Spurs point of view, you know, we could have possibly won that game in the end. Um, and that really would have been a massive dent to Liverpool's title. So that they will need to be um, wary of how they perform. But right now, I think if you're just getting the results over the line, they, they won't really be too fussed how it's coming. Um, that'll be a massive boost to them, that victory against 
against us. And I'm sure that, you know, that that could be a springboard that helps them put some better performances in because that was one of their real challenges that was coming towards now in the end of the season. And the fact that they've managed to get through it and take the three points, they, you know, that will give them a massive boost and, you know, probably put some more confidence going through that team that they can get the results over the line, even when they're playing the better sides. Um, I think they'd like to play a little bit better. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the crunch time of the season, there will, there will be times that you don't play well. But if you can just get that result over the line, that's that's all that matters. So that was a massive test for them, especially given City's win the day before. So they've responded to that pressure. And, and now, it's, you know, it's, again, it's pressure back on City again. Um, so I think it's job done. They, they obviously say that, yeah, they would want to play better. But then at the same time, if you're getting them results over the line right now, you don't care how they come as long as they come. Because, JS, if we look at the fixtures that both City and Liverpool have between now and the end of the season, arguably Liverpool have the easier ones because I think, as Carl's just sort of mentioned, they've almost cleared that final hurdle of sort of tricky ties that they have to sort of deal with. If you look at City, they've got Spurs and United still between now and May 12th. Liverpool, the sort of games that are all winnable, certainly with the form they're in this season. So, if you were to nail your colours to the mast, would you go for City to defend their title or would it be Liverpool who end up winning the Premier League for you? Um... As I said last night, I've done a, uh, well, actually a friend put it together, I was way too lazy, but um, basically did uh, the the entire run-in for the, the top six, and I've got City and Liverpool both finishing on 95, but City obviously having a superior goal difference and nicking it on that, basically. Wow, tight. Um, I guess it can't really get much tighter than that. Another Aguero moment could be in the offing, I guess. We'll never know. Yeah, um, that would be fun. But, I mean, to be honest, it could be that tight because there's such little to, to split them at the moment. I know there's sort of points at the moment and games in hand and all that kind of stuff to sort of balance it out. But it's almost not impossible to sort of say this team is going to win the Premier League because, you know, there's always some kind of twist around the corner. And if we could predict that twist, we'd then be able to predict the winner. But I guess, JS, that is almost the impossible question, isn't it? If if we could predict the winner, then I would just be straight down the bookies exactly, and put, exactly. put on like all of my money, you know. So um, yeah, I I agree. There there probably are a couple of twists to come, but yeah, I've, I've still got City winning it on goal difference. So yeah, because as they say, that goal difference is almost akin to an extra point, isn't it, Cole? Yeah, I mean, goal difference really becomes vital, doesn't it, when things are so tight. And as you say, when you've got a massive goal difference and a cushion, you kind of do have that comfortable knowledge that you almost have an extra point in the bag with that alone. So City will be happy and sitting the ones there at the moment thinking, well, if we just keep responding the way we each are now, you might match us. But at the same time, we've got that nice buffer that we, you know, we've got that goal difference that we can kind of rely on, and and you'd kind of probably consider that obviously with some of the teams City have to play, they'll just build on that. So they'll be very happy they have that goal difference buffer, and, and you know, as we said, it could come down to that come the end of the season. I've got a sneaky feeling there'll be a surprise somewhere along the line, but it, it could possibly be down to goal difference come the very last day. Because United will be sort of eyeing up, you know, a top four finish, and they'll have nothing more than. T- to derail City's title hopes, will they, Cole? Yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, they they would love it, wouldn't they? Um, well, you know, with the way they're finishing the season and then if they could just put that little cherry on top as well, then that would be brilliant for them. Um, I honestly don't, you know, I don't see City slipping up too much more. You know, I think now they've had their little blip. I think they've kind of recovered and they've got themselves moving in the right direction. Um, so I, I think City now may just have the momentum to keep them going um, for the rest of the season. I guess what could be a pain for um, both sides, Liverpool and City, in this title running could be the progress in the Champions League because obviously both of them will will have that and you'd probably consider both of those teams' favourites to go forward into the semi-finals. And then obviously that just throws another fixture on top of what they've already got. So it may be that, you know, one of those, both of those teams kind of, you know, one, one weekend, it could be that the Champions League kind of gives them something to suffer for, um, the league game after one of them nights. But... Obviously, both are in a really strong position, but my money at the moment would just be on City to pip them. And I, you know, 
I don't see that City would stumble against United at the moment, but it is a possibility. But I, I, my money's on City. If I, if I had my if I had to put my house on anyone, it would be them. Well, you might let's see if you're homeless come in the middle of May, Carl. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I could be could be knocking on some doors. That's right, sleeping on May. some sofas, didn't you? <laughs> but JS, Carl makes a good point about the uh, about the Champions League. I'm not sort of condoning any homelessness or betting your houses. <laughs> I just get that straight. Loser Paul don't condone that either. But um, <laughs> JS, in terms of Man City, is there a case that the only team that could stop them are them themselves due to their sort of wanting to conquer all fronts? You know, there's going to be so many matches between now and the end of the season. I think it's something like 15 or maybe 14. I can't remember exactly what I'm here, but it's like a third of the season in two months. Now, they've got the players to do it. They've arguably you know, got the squad to sort of compete on every front they are in, but can they do it? And will something have to, to drop off to then go and get some other bigger prizes? No, they'll be fine. I mean, they've got three easy games coming up against us, so <laughs> they can probably rest rest some key players for those. You know? <laughs> That's the spirit. Look. <laughs> but... um, no, I, I, I can't see it, to be honest. You know, the Champions League is obviously a different kettle of fish, but I suppose it depends on who they... They, I'm just assuming they're going to beat us. You know what? It's so bad, isn't it? Um, uh, it just depends on who they get in the the sort of quarters, I guess. Assuming they beat us, um, if they get someone like really hardcore and they they have a couple of really bruising games, then maybe, 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 but. I don't know. It would be. Do you know what the most Spursy thing would be ever like? Getting decked nil, like seven nil or something by them in the league, and then actually somehow beating them over two legs in the Champions League. You know. I wouldn't mind that scenario to be honest. Like I don't know. It's the like age-old argument, isn't it? If what's more important, a top four finish. Or you know, trying to win the Champions League, and that's, I don't know. Part of me just Obvious, thinks, obviously the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Part is. of me just thinks, as a club, Tottenham. I mean, we didn't really reference this last night, but part of me just thinks, you no, know just go for it. Like, and if you yeah, don't finish in the top four this season, so be it. Because you know, this is the first we've got in what nine years, I believe it is. In um, exactly, and you just think we might, especially mm. with the draw being relatively open as well, Carl. We've mentioned this before that Tottenham might not even get a better chance to win the competition. Is that a fair point to make? Yeah, I mean, obviously, once you start getting to this stage of a tournament, you kind of think, well, you, you know, you're, you're obviously one of the better sides because you're you're in the position you're in. Um, I, you know, I, I think we've said before, haven't we, Dan? This competition's so open, and there's no real, you know, there's no real clear team that you'd kind of go. Some years you've had teams where you are literally saying, well. For me, the winners are Barcelona. Or for me, it's Real Madrid. No one's going to stop Real Madrid this year. Whereas I think this year's Champions League is really open. And we've already seen from the results in the previous rounds that anyone possibly could go and beat anyone on the night. Um, you kind of feel that City may be too strong for us over, over two legs. Um, we've got to hope that in that first leg at home, we possibly go to their ground with you know minimum a two-goal lead, and then you'd kind of feel we may be in with a chance. Um, but I don't know. Yes, I, I, like you said, you wouldn't rule us out of it, would you? At no point would I sit in there and say we don't have a prayer because I would say, well, we're this far, and on any given night, you know, in the new stadium, possibly. You know, with the atmosphere the way it will be, it could be something that helps drive you on. And then, yeah, there's no team there that really I fear massively going into these last few games. So, yeah, City was probably the worst team you could draw out because they're probably the slight favourites out of that whole teams left in the tournament. But we still, you know, we've seen before, we've beaten them before, so why can't we beat them again? You know, we've beaten them home and away, so you never know this year. But I, I still think for... for for a Spurs point of view, that top four is probably the best chance of making sure they're in that Champions League with the games we've got left and the amount of home games. Yeah, I think you are right in that sense that, you know, it's maybe, I don't know what's the tougher path really, but you sort of think, if you're weighing things up, with so many home matches that are winnable, you think maybe that's the route to go down. But I think sometimes you just got to think, no guts, no glory. But I don't think a lot of fans would agree with that, to be either. And that's a debate that we could go on all Yeah, I'd like to see us go for it. 
I mean, yeah, what what would be the point of not going for it? That's There's right, no yeah. point now being in this and just saying, well, well, let's take a defeat here because hey-ho. We've got to go for it because, you know, it, it's it's got to be glory or bust, isn't it? You know, we've got this far in the season now, so we, we should be sticking our eggs in both baskets and saying, well, no, we want to be in the top four and also try and win this because that's the sort of squad that we've got and we should be able to compete on in those two competitions with what we've got left now. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we're talking about City, JS, you know, we might have 14 games to win. Tottenham will probably have, you know, a lesser figure than that because they're not in so many competitions. I think it'll be like 12 as a maximum. That's not a lot of football, really, is it? You know, if you take out sort of City away in the equation in the league, that's still something doable for Tottenham. You know, like I say, favourable league fixtures. You never know if you get past City, you might get a favourable semi-final draw. You might get someone like, I don't know, um, who's left in the tournament, help me, Porto, for example. Wishful thinking there, perhaps. But do you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't have to necessarily be either or, should it? Ajax would be fun. Yes, that I really, would, that I, would re- I really want that. That would really finesse, be a great one. You know. mm. That's that's like a sort of football ro- romantic thing, though. You know, like I'd love to get them. Not not because I think it would be an easy tie. It wouldn't. They've got an exceptionally gifted young team, but um, I, yeah, I. Do you know what? I agree with Cole. Don't actually have that much football. I'm worried about the form of a lot of our players. Um, I mean, so many seem to be having like almost off seasons. You know what I mean? Like Kane, Kane has still been brilliant, but I, I don't think any of us with a straight face would say that his he's he's been as as good to his own ludicrously high standards this year as he was last year, but is still scoring, is still, you know, playing incredible balls, you know, getting a sit. I mean, it's just an amazing player, but you, do, do you know what I mean? It's it's the same with Ericsson. It's the same with Aoi, I think. Like, when they're not 100%, even, even them at, like, 70 or 80% is still better than 95% of players at 100%. Do you, do you know what I mean? They're, that, they're kind of, like, that good. So, yeah, Ericsson hasn't been great, but he's still better than anything else we've got, even if he's playing at 70%. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So... I just sort of, I don't know what it is, whether it's a bit of malaise. I mean, we touched on this last night, didn't we? Um, whether some players are just a little bit too comfortable, maybe Ericsson's head has turned, maybe as um, as James was saying last night, maybe like, maybe maybe it's a culture thing at the club. Maybe we don't really believe that we can win stuff. But I'm, I'm with Cole, like... What what have we got to lose at this stage? Do you know what I mean? Why not just go all out? Get um, I hope Pochettino can just get everyone focused and firing because on our day we can be we can be any team in world football. I think you know maybe except Barcelona at the moment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they're they're looking pretty good. But then actually they're they're one of those weird teams. The the years. The years that I think they're looking at their absolute best again, you know, you know, kind of like they were around sort of eight, ten, eight to ten years ago, they, they've actually dropped off in the the sort of from the quarterfinal stage. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen again this year. When you talk of outform players, uh, JS, me and Carl reference Mo Salah quite often, especially of late, because he's a uh... In a goal drought, technically one that hasn't ended after his header was adjudged to have been an own goal from Toby Alderweireld. So, mm-hmm. do you watch him and think there's almost a sense of desperation for him to score at the moment? And I guess that's yeah, slightly by the fact that Mane and Firmino are sort of doing their job. So it's sort of you know mm-hmm. it's not just a one man team and all that, but it's sort of the longer that drought goes on, he's snatching at chances that he would have scored last year. Yeah. And he said in a comment after the game that. Um, you know, there's players that have got the same amount of goals as him this season. They're having the season of their lives and he's having a bad yeah. season. But has, exactly. he, has exactly he made a rough for his and own back because he had such a good season last year? Just so. And it's it's a little bit like Kane. It's kind of like him him not having his like blistering best 
season. You know, and don't don't forget, Harry Kane got 30 league goals last year. That was actually his best Premier League season. So he was bloody brilliant. It was just that Salah was even more bloody brilliant last year. And I, I completely agree. Salah, like Kane, has set such a high standard for himself that anything less than that was always going to be a little bit of a drop-off. And um, the other thing, the, 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 a good comparison I can make with this was um, Del Alli last year apparently not having a brilliant season and Jesse Lingard having those kind of hot few months. You know, Jesse Lingard was suddenly world-class and Ali was rubbish. And Ali actually had more goals and more assists than him last year. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's that. It's that kind of thing. It's. It's like. And so yeah, I completely agree with Salo's comment. Um, that that he's having. He's still one of the best players in the league, and he's still playing as well as anyone else. It's just that we know that he can play even better than that. Yeah, I think it's all sort of relative to what you do the season before and, you know, can you keep hitting those heights? And you get to a point where, you know, unless you're banging in 30, 35 goals every season, then it's almost abject failure, isn't it? And it's just, you know, that's a very unfair sort of set of criteria to uh, to rate a player by. But unfortunately, I guess that's the era of football we're in. But, Carl, if we look at the other half of the title race, Manchester City. So, I think it's fair to say an incredibly routine win at Craven Cottage on Saturday lunchtime. The lunchtime kickoff has potential to cause a slip-up or two. And Fulham, they ran Liverpool close before the international break. However, it wasn't even really a contest this time, was it? No, I mean, you know, it was one of them games before it. It's kind of one of them that you sit there and you kind of think, couldn't Fulham cause an upset here today? You know, is this going to be a difficult place for City to go? You know, could there be a surprise? But... Once you start seeing the way the game started, and you just knew, no, I'm, um, yeah, I'm afraid if Liverpool, you know, if you're a Liverpool supporter and you was tuning in to hope that Fulham could possibly turn it on and and get you the upset that you needed, then that was soon, you know, eradicated pretty quickly. Um, and City kind of just made comfortable work of a, a routine win, um, and you know, it, it could have been a few more, um, and. Unfortunately, that's the sort of team that, you know, are not going to stop City this year. You know, Fulham, unfortunately, just don't have the quality in their side to cause a team like Man City real trouble. Um, and, and we saw that at the weekend, you know, City were comfortable. They played some nice stuff, um, got the comfortable win, put the pressure on Liverpool the next day. And, and that's what I think they'll look to do for the rest of the season. You know, they'll have some tougher tests. But, yeah, unfortunately, Fulham wasn't going to be one that could possibly upset them um, with the way Fulham's season's gone. You know, it's just kind of now fizzling out. And, you know, Fulham are probably now just concentrating on getting themselves ready for the championship, to be honest. Yeah, I believe it's eight straight losses for Fulham now. And they play tonight, which is Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. If they lose that, they're done. So, you know, I think Scott Parker almost had the impossible job. Not a lot he could have done. I think the damage was already done, something that we've mentioned before. But if we go back to City, Carl, the only blot on their copybook was the fact that Pep Guardiola will be sweating on the fitness of Sergio Aguero because they play Cardiff on Wednesday. Now, that's an injury worry he could really do without at this point of the season. Yeah, you certainly don't want um, Aguero now missing games because he, you know, he's one of them that you can rely on to to come in and do the performances and score the goals that win you a title. Um, so, as you say, they'll be sweating on that because they re- you know, really won't want to lose a player of his quality. But then at the same time, City have got such a good squad that you kind of think, although it would be a loss, it wouldn't be, as I say, when if Spurs, when we lose Kane, you know, that really is something you feel and you just, you can't see where the goals can come from. Whereas at least with City, you kind hang, of... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Cole. You, you what? What are you on about? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure both this season and last season when Kane was out for a bit, we actually scored a lot more. Well, goals. true, true. You could <laughs> sit there and say, actually, the fear is is that Spurs, the fear we have is that when Kane gets injured, we'll struggle. And the reality is actually we haven't. But you know what I mean? That's not the sort of player that you, yes. if he gets out injured for any sort of spell, there is that fear that, oh, well, the bloke coming in, we know actually isn't as good. And now you're hoping for kind of others to step up to the plate, where I guess with City, if Aguero goes, is, is that injured, 
then you've got, you know, Jesus who can come in and score goals. You know, Sterling's on fire and he'll score your goals. You've got the likes of Mares and David Silva and Bernardo Silva. So you kind of feel confident you've got goals in the rest of you, um, no matter who you play. So I guess if you're the City, the fear isn't as big as a team like us. You know, we, we don't want Kane going down injured. You know, any time Kane plays, if you see him at the deck, you hold your breath for a second because you think, oh, my God, please let him get up and please don't let him be out injured for a long spell because that, that could really cause us problems. We have got through those two spells without Kane um, and those spells with him sometimes. But let's face it, you still, you know, we still know that the player coming in isn't really of the same, nowhere near the same quality where City will feel confident they have got players who can come in who probably are just as good as the player going 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 off injured as such that, that uh, when i say that that's kind of what i mean yeah, i do, I, do, I do agree with that i think if you take i think kane's one of those players that is so good if you took him out with any team in world football they'd, they'd be worse pretty much you know Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, Kane is one of the best strikers in the world in world football. And any team, if Kane put in a transfer request tomorrow, every top team in the world yeah. would want to be would be trying I, to sign. I, I, I think that is one hundred percent sure. I think there's probably him and him and Lewandowski are probably in a bit of a class of the their own. To be honest, you know. Yeah, I think that's a fair. It's not really many sort of strikers in that bracket that really sort of. That kind of even mould of a forward, you know, you've got the sort of Messi Ronaldo forward that sort of changed the way that forward setups are sort of, you know, deployed. But that sort of old age Barry Ram centre forward, you know, that you can get goals anywhere as well. You know, they're sort of a dying breed, and I think that's what makes their value yeah. even higher. Is that fair to say, JS? Yeah, I, I think that's about right. I, I'd probably add maybe like Aguero into that as well. Um, yeah, I think it's a fair shout. Maybe even Luis Suarez as well. He's just sort of dropped off a little bit in yeah. a couple of seasons. But yeah. I think those are sort of the four. Yeah. Cavani misses sort of too much to be really in a league. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Cavani on his day is, but I, I think he's also also gone gone past his best probably too. Yeah. So. And I, I, do, I do think, and I hate, and I've said this before, I hate all the sort of Farmers League stuff, but him, him banging in 30 goals a season in Liga is hardly the same as like banging them in in the Bundesliga or the Premier League. Absolutely, you know? yeah, exactly. It's not really sort of fair metric. I mean, sort of Mbappe, you can tell he's going to be absolutely, you know, the best, but you don't know how good he's going to be if you just sort of knock enough non and Dijon every week. I mean, you sort of you need to see him kick on for him to get even better because I think it'd be a criminal waste of his talent if he's do, still in do, Liga. Do, do, you mean, do you mean the World Cup winning Killian Mbappe? Well, that's right, yes. <laughs> I think that's probably his career set, isn't it, for life now? Do you know so, what yeah. I mean? That's be, like, uh, there's nothing else he needs to do, well, really. I know, but it'd be good if he also backed that up with some Champions League wins, and you do have to ask yourself, yeah, will yeah. that come to PSG? Probably not. What so. do you, just, just whilst we're on it, just, what do you think the problem is at, at Paris? Do you think it's a lack of high-level competition week in, week out, so they're just not ready for it when they, they kind of come up against, like, super top... I mean, there, there's only really two or three teams that ever give them a bit of a challenge in any one season in a game in I think France, it's probably you know. what you could say there, JS, couldn't you, is that they don't often have to try and suffer through adversity or, <laughs> or put their mental strength to a test too often during the season. Yeah. So, actually, it's like, do they get kind of a little bit sloppy and then when they actually come up against, like you say, in Europe, those teams that actually can match them player for player, suddenly when things are not going their way, they haven't got that kind of mental strength to know, listen, we've been here before, we've been a goal down, we know what to do, let's just recover. Suddenly it's panic stations all round of like, hold on a minute, we're a goal down, this doesn't happen to us, what's... What are we doing? Why are we a goal down? And because that, as you say, because they don't have that competition or that league isn't the sort of league like the Premier League where any team can beat any team on any day, you kind of, Premier League sides build up that kind of mm. mental strength to deal with adversity, don't they? Whereas PSG probably brushing teams aside week in, week out, you probably don't have to deal with such yeah. adversity. You know, that adversity where you build up that character to say, listen, no one panic. There's not 
a problem. We've been here before. We've seen it, done it. Let's just do what we always do. That, to me, can be the only thing that stops them Do you reckon they might be better off like biting the bullet and getting rid of someone like Neymar and just having like maybe one less sort of tantrum-filled ego in the team? Possibly. You know? I think, yeah, there's maybe a couple of bad eggs in the dressing room. I don't think the egos help. But I think, you know, you only have to look at PSG when they played Liverpool in the Champions League. It was the so first mm. real test of the season and they failed it. You know, yeah. you look at who they're playing in the domestic matters each week and they should be absolutely, you know, so fresh for Champions League. They could mm-hmm. afford to rest these players. And when it gets to the big matches, you know, they could be absolutely flying. But like Carl says, you need sort of to get through matches. You need to grind out wins to sort of build that character and think, you know, now we've got that one hurdle cleared. Let's go again. And I don't think they have that. They're sort but, of but, like the Harlem Globeshotters. They're turning up, expected to win, and they're not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I get it. But then you, you sort of look at the players they've got in that team. They've got Neymar and Mbappe. And I know Neymar was missing for the um, the, the second leg. Uh, first leg as well? Can't remember. Either way, you know, the, they've got Mbappe. They've got Neymar. They've got Cavani. They've got Verratti. They've got Rabiot, Thiago Silva, Buffon, Kevin Trapp's not shabby, and neither is Alphonse Areola. They've got Draxler as a spare, <laughs> the, the sort of left berth, you know. I just, it just beggars belief that they can't, they, they can't put away a few more teams in Europe and at least make the breakthrough into like at least the semi-finals. So they're, they're, they, it looks like they're making progress at the moment. They don't, and it's just a weird one, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean. They'll keep going until they finally get it. And I think with the amount of money they've got at their disposal, they will eventually win the Champions League. Like Chelsea, they just kept going and going. And they got there in the end. But, you know... Do you not, do you not think the FFP's going to start kicking in well, a bit more, when though, will it now? ever, though? Because it's always been this sort of sword of Damocles hanging over their heads. And everyone sort mm. of predicts this sort of circle of doom that they'll have to sell all their best assets and they won't be the powerhouse that they were. But it never happens. And you just think, well... They've got this far without sort of being really punished. Then you just think, well, is the status quo ever going to change? But anyway, let's move on. The team that actually knocked out PSG in the Champions League, Manchester United. And they finally named opponent successors Jose Mourinho. One that is no real surprise. And B, at least lets Tottenham fans breathe a sigh of relief as Pochettino will not be going to Old Trafford, much to the disappointment of Sky Sports. So, Cole, what do you make of the news that Ole is at the wheel for a longer term? And more importantly, what do United have to do to stop truly competing for a title once again? Now, I know they finished second last season, but as we all know, it was one horse race, wasn't it? So, what do they need to do ultimately to close those gaps next time around? This is a really strange one, Dan, because I think, obviously, for United, the one of the real issues they have is defensively. I think they still look weak um, in a centre-half position and possibly both full-backs. So I would say if I was managing United now, I think the area I would really be looking to shore things up is defensively. I think attacking wise, they've kind of got the players there already that you feel can score them goals week in, week out. I just feel it's possibly defensively, the centre half, you know, Smalling never fills you with confidence. Jones is the same. You know, you always kind of feel there's a mistake in there waiting to happen or something sloppy that will cost them. You know, the fullbacks have you know, not really set the world light. You know, sure, you know, seems to you know doesn't ever seem to really hit the heights of the season before United brought him. Um, you've got Ashley Young possibly fitting in every now and then. So for me, I think if if you the next United manager will just be looking to say, I've got the best goalkeeper in the world. I've got some of the you know one of the best midfielders in Pogba on his day. I've got some great attacking ability in Lingard, Rashford, Martial. Um, and now, really, if I can just solid up my defence and get me a real solid centre-half or two and then possibly, well, basically a back four, then I think United could have a real, real push because in the Gea, you've got one of the best keepers who will keep you in games. You've got players that can score. It's just really, I think they're weak in that area and they possibly may need to add one more central midfielder, you know, um, I don't, yeah, for me, defensively is where United need to strengthen next season to to see if they can have a real challenge for the title. Um, I just somehow feel that this is all going to go. This just reminds me of the Di Matteo 
uh, Di Matteo season at Chelsea. You know, I've just got this feeling that Oli will be uh, sacked and out of work before the halfway stage of next season because he's had that bounce. He's come in. He's had a bit of a bounce. You know, it wasn't going to be hard to pick up and improve things when Mourinho had just put everybody rock bottom. And I kind of, uh, for some reason, I just feel that it will all go kind of, now that he's the main man and he's there, I'm not so sure that that's actually going to work for them. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if midway through next season, they're already looking for their for their next manager and the uh, Poch to United stuff kicks off all over again. Yeah, do you know what, Carl? I think we said this before and I couldn't agree with you more because I just think that they can't not give him the job after what he's done. But it's almost when you sort of hit the reset button in August and you have to go again, you've lost that sort of us against the world picking up players from a low base and thinking, right, you know, you are good players, let's do this. You know, when you're sort of then coaching egos, I guess, that's the real test. And Solskjaer's a very likeable manager and you don't really want to see him out of work. But it's almost like the impossible job that after having such an amazing start, the only thing you can really sort of kick on from that is, I guess, you know, really competing for the title. And, Jess, what would it take for United to then sort of roll the dice again managerial-wise? Would they benefit from that? You know, do they need to start really trying to find a manager who can put down some long-term foundations? Because since Fergie's gone, we've had Moyes, Van Hal, Mourinho. None of them have worked. Solskjaer's number four. You know, it's a lot of managers in such a short space of time compared to the Fergie era. So, you know, is this a long-term project or is it going to fall and sort of explode in a ball of flames come, you know, December, for example? No, I reckon he's got the job. Honestly, I do. I don't. I don't think they would bother because why would they need to bother? That's the point. They, you know, it was he was hired on the the understanding that he was um, just going to sort of steady the ship a bit towards the end of the season. The the improvements he's made have been just remarkable. Um, United aren't a club that needs to give. A manager a job for the sake of it do you, do you know what I mean yeah I guess that's a fair point yeah they don't sort of make these appointments sort of just you know off the cuff and willy nilly do they they sort of Mm-mm. yeah no no they don't I mean yeah I, I sort of see what you and Carl were saying I just don't I don't see it going that way I, I, I really think like the, the job is his you know and I, I don't see why it would go wrong either well I just, I don't know. I think, you know, when Di Matteo won the Champions League, it was a very similar scenario. They sort of picked up a Chelsea team that were just rotten and down on their luck, but they still had a chance of winning something. And you could argue that the Chelsea players won that themselves. But then, you know, that still kept Di Matteo in a job. And then after that sort of, you know, we've done something unlikely, you really make a roll for your own back because then you've got to go and deliver something again. And he didn't deliver the next season. And then, you know, by Christmas, he was gone. And I just worry for Solskjaer that if he doesn't, you know... I don't know, if they're sort of fifth and sixth again, there might be sort of 11 points off. If if, if he just doesn't have that same kind of run of results that he's had in this sort of period, because, you know, let's not forget, he's only lost, what, one league game, and you think, you know, that's going to be a hell of a task to match next season. It just, I just think, you know, he then becomes a bit of a disposable commodity because he's not an elite manager. Is that fair to say, Cole? Because you think, actually, we could still get Potts sort of 12 months later, and you think, well, actually, he's done his job, he's steadied the ship, we give him a bit longer for his efforts, but he's still not 1A target that we want. Yeah, see, see, for me, my biggest danger, I think, now is after Mourinho had kind of put everybody rock bottom, all you had to do was go in and put an arm around the shoulder and just try not to do anything. You know, oh, Pogba, you're, you're special. You're my main man. Go out, do what you want. And suddenly Pogba has that initial lift, feels much better, starts performing a little bit. My worry will be if next year, like you say, when there's now some pressure, because I feel they've kind of... He's come in and he couldn't do no worse. You know, the feeling was so low that anything was better. And now the lift they've got has been brilliant and it's carrying them along. My worry will be once he's now in there permanently and we see what he does in the transfer market, who he can attract, who he gets. If they start off in a sticky patch, will the players sit there and actually then start questioning him and looking at him saying, oh, 
well, who has he managed before? What success has he had as a manager before this bloke? And, you know, yeah, OK, he came in, he gave us a lift. But actually, we're now, we know what modern players are like. They can turn, you know, the minute he maybe makes a decision and drops one that he doesn't like, like Pogba, if he suddenly has to make a difficult decision with Pogba one week, then Pogba suddenly will throw his toys out the pram with him. Um, and my fear will be that it, the minute they, if they hit a sticky patch at the start of next season, I think it could unravel quite quickly. Um, and then we'll actually be seeing those demands for like, well, you know, we should have got a more experienced name in someone who's managed at a higher level and, and achieved something in management. That's my fear. I honestly hope it works for him because he comes across as a really nice guy. And, you know, one of those that you kind of have that even if he plays for an opposition side. I think everybody liked Solskjaer when he was a player. You know, he was just one of them players that you liked. But that's my worry for him. I don't, I don't quite agree with you on this simply because um, <clears throat> I understand what you were saying about, um, you know, players sort of saying like, oh, what have you won as a manager and blah, blah, blah. But actually, um, you think about, um, uh, what do you call it? You think about... Um, like how Mourinho was viewed at Real Madrid um, and he didn't get any respect from the players because he hadn't been a top level player himself. So I, I kind of think like sometimes it's, it's it can be more important that a, a manager has won things as a player and he was part of that great Fergie United side in, in the late 90s. And I, I think that will pro- that probably ironically gives him more respect than, um, you know, like a manager who's won a Champions League or something. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fair point. A good way to look at it, actually. I mean, he does command respect due to the, the litany of trophies he's won. And he's, a, I guess, say, he's someone who's been under the learning tree of Sir Alex Ferguson. So that almost... I, I, I would also slightly dispute the thing about saying that he just needed to go and put an arm around the players because you still need to coach them well. You still need to set them up right. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think there's a lot more to it than just saying he just made them feel good about themselves. Do you, do you know what I mean? It, I mean, he's clearly a good... He's, he clearly knows what he's doing as well. You know, you you can't fake it. Do you know what? No, I mean? no, he's not just chancing it, is he? Let's be honest. He's not just sort of walks into the job with no managerial experience and then just, mm. you know, just said, "You're a great player. Let's go and win some football." It's not that easy. It, but, it, exactly. Yeah. So, so sorry, Cole, but I don't don't agree with you on that one. That's fine. It's not a problem. That's why we're on podcast. It'd be boring if we just agree with everything all the time. So, healthy debate is really good. And let's move on. So, um, exactly. It's all, it's all opinions. Well, exactly. Yeah. I was. It'd be, it'd be really dull if I just went. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. Right. Good point. Yeah. So it's absolutely fine. Let's keep things just rolling. Just like assholes. <laughs> let's keep things rolling. Let's go to uh, South Wales next. So uh, Cardiff. Now they were well, really unfortunate, really on Sunday, weren't they? Chelsea got the better of them thanks to the absence of a linesman's flag, which uh, let Chelsea go level through Aspiliqueta. That goal really took the wind out of Cardiff's sails. So, JS, I'd like to know your comments, or sorry, your thoughts on the comments of Neil Warnock, who said that we've got the best league and the worst officials. And then, Carl, I'd like to know your thoughts on Sarri's decision not to start Hazard and Kante on Sunday. So, JS, I'll start with you first. I I have traditionally been someone who's sort of hated criticising referees. Um, But actually, I, I do think at the moment we do have a bit of a dearth of top top referees in this country. So uh, I can't believe I'm agreeing with Captain Brexit, but he's <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he, uh, I think he's actually right about that, you know? Yeah, I've, I've, he's certainly got a fair point because, you know, for a club like Cardiff, that decision could ultimately send them down. You know, there's still a lot yeah, of games to yeah. play, but that I mean, could they, be the they, one. They were it? sort of... I mean, I wouldn't say they were exactly flying, but you know what I mean? They were, they were doing a lot better and they sort of put themselves within a shout of um, a shout of survival. But that, that, that will have been an absolute sickener for them. You know, it yeah. shouldn't have stood, obviously. Um, That's right. Because it just seems bizarre. Bizarre one, that. Because then Warnock's after the game is saying, oh, you know, the assistant referee, referee popped around and said, oh, I'm really sorry about that. But, you know, it's... Yeah. Your words are one thing, but your actions have got to be better. But there's that much at stake. 
you can't really condone the sort of a sloppy or a poor lack of decision, really, there, can you, JS? No. I mean, it, it's like I said, I, I really believe, especially now Plattenberg's not in the league, we've maybe got, like, two genuinely decent refs left in this country. Anthony Taylor's all right. Um, <laughs> actually, Mike Dean likes to put himself at the centre of things, and as Spurs fans, we've probably got our own issues with him, you know, after that Pochettino flare-up thing. But actually, he is quite a decent ref on the whole. I know that's quite a, an unpopular opinion, but I've... He's one of those, because of who he is, you end up watching him more in games than you would with other referees. Do you know what I mean? And by and large, I would say he gets 99% of things right. It's just that 1% generally tends to be a bit on the controversial side, you know. Yeah, but I mean, apart from apart from that, we're, we, we really don't have good referees at the moment. And I think the fact that... Um, for the first time in World Cup history, we didn't have a single one at last summer's World Cup is testament to that. Yeah, I think that sort of says it all really, doesn't it? So, Cole, flipping over to uh, Mitch Osari and his somewhat indifferent or, you know, I guess bewildering first team eleven on Sunday. What did you make of the decision not to start either Eden Hazard or N'Golo Conte? Yeah, really surprising, wasn't it, to be honest? You, you can't really understand what... Um, what his thinking was there, unless he just kind of thought he felt they'd have enough to get through that game without them and could just keep them fresh for other tests that they've got coming this season. But it looked like at one point it could have been a decision that could have come back to haunt him um, because he's not exactly Mr Popular at the moment anyway, is he, with Chelsea fans. So doing something like that, if you don't get the result and you don't kind of play well in that game then you are just asking for the wrath of the supporters to come on you um, and at a certain point it looked like that was going to be the case in that game and then obviously they get out of jail the way they do so he kind of obviously will come away feeling vindicated but I think their first half performance with it was it just like one shot on target in the whole first half kind of summed up the way they played attackingly um, and obviously just before the game as well you're kind of giving Barkley abuse as well, saying he'll never be a leader and everything like that after he's just coming off the back of a good performance for England where he's probably on a high and then you almost knock him back down again before the next game. You kind of do wonder what Sarri's, what's going through his mind in the way he's doing some of those things. But he must have a logic that he thinks is going to work for him. But I don't think he's long for the uh, Chelsea manager seat, to be honest. Well, this is going to be my next question, Carl, because Sarri's looking to finish in the top four and win the Europa League, something that Rafa Benitez managed to do when he was in charge of Chelsea back in 2013. But even that wasn't enough to keep him in the job the following season. I know he's sort of interim, but, you know, they sort of thought, well, thanks for your efforts, but but no. So if Sarri does something similar, you know, achieves those kind of feats, maybe even just wins the Europa League, do you think that might be a case of just shaking his hand, thanks for your efforts, and off you go? Because the fans don't seem happy, do they? Yeah, I mean, it's a real strange one, isn't it? I think maybe if he wins the Europa League and finishes in the top four, he, you know, there could be a view where you say, well, actually, hold on a minute, you know, is this guy starting to build something? But I don't think they'll finish in the top four. I think their best hope, actually, is winning the Europa League, which I actually think they'll do, to be honest. Um, and maybe that's what, you know, maybe in his mind with Hazard and that is thinking, let me rest them for more important games that are to come. Um, so I think that's the way he's probably looking at it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see him being in next season, Dan, to be honest. I, I think Chelsea, will, whatever happens, will say, well, thanks very much. Um, and we're going to look to try and do something new here for next season. Um, but they may have to also do that without Hazard next season because I, I get the feeling that he may not be around as well. So there could be big changes coming at Chelsea. Jess, I know you're a big uh, fan of Sorry. So do you think he'll be in the hot seat come August? No, no. Uh, I, I I've got them finishing sixth. What on, so. on the on the JS predictor copyright? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although although I think technically that should actually go go credit to um, uh, my my friend who probably won't want mentioning on here. So, okay. uh, um, so I, as I said, I'm way too lazy to do anything like that. It's even in a spreadsheet for fuck's sake, you know. 
it's on a spreadsheet. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, nobody's got time for that. Um, yeah, no, I don't think he will be. And I don't think that is so much um, a reflection on sorry. I actually think that's more of a reflection on Chelsea as a club and the culture they have there than anything else. You know, it's that kind of, it's so disposable and throwaway. It's kind of like, you know, if it's broken, let's not fix it. Let's just get someone else in. Do you know what I mean? I, I hate, I really hate that because it doesn't, it doesn't allow for like, you know, it doesn't really allow for youth developments. I mean, you kind of look at someone like Hudson Adoy, um, who you, you just mentioned a minute ago. Um, or were you talking about Barkley? Sorry. Barkley. Yeah, okay. Well, on Hudson Adoy, he was kind of like Bayern Munich wanted him, and I felt that would have been a good move for him. They put in, what was it like, four bids, five bids, or something that were all turned down. And sorry, obviously said all the club's hierarchy, we want you here, you're going to play. He played almost every game in that January period, or he played like four or five in a row, including starting like three. I think until um, yesterday, he had played 14 minutes of Premier League football since then. Which is not enough for a player of his talent. You know, you sort of look at the... No. Uh, and, it, uh, and like I said, it's, it's it's the part of the culture. They just yeah. don't develop youth players or no, sorry, they don't promote from within because like I said, it's that kind of shiny thing of like, right, if it's broken, we'll just buy a new toy, you know, and it's like, it's it's a horrible way of running a football club. And that leads to the players not being secure, knowing what manager they'll have one season to the next the players will know if they don't like a manager, they can just kick off a bit and uh, get them removed. Um, you know, the Di Matteo thing, frankly, was was absolutely criminal that you mentioned earlier. Um, and what what they need is either a change of owner or a wholesale change of culture where they get in a really good manager, they stick with them for at least five or six years. Um, like they did with Mourinho and and the fact that they had so much success under him and admittedly they didn't win the Champions League. But, you know, when when they stuck with him for a long time, it, it works. Do you know what I mean? I know Mourinho was the best manager in the world at the time, maybe except Jupp Hankers or maybe Van Gogh at the time. But do, do you know what I mean? Something needs to change at that club because they've got about... 450,000 players out on loan. They've got no youth culture. I don't even know what their culture is, really. I don't think they really have one. And so I think until they fix that, they're always going to have that thing where they get someone in, maybe they win the odd league or a cup or something here or there, and then the next season they'll they'll finish sixth and be playing in Europa the season after. Do you, do you know what I mean? They they keep doing it over and over and over again. Now they've got this two window transfer embargo. I I I'm I can't see them get getting anywhere near the top four for a few more seasons. If do you, do you know what I mean? Because they 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 can't even go to their if it's broken, let's just buy someone new at the moment for the next two two windows. And they're, they're going to suffer. They've, they've got a load of players who probably hate being there. Poisonous atmosphere. They've got a manager who's not going to be backed by the board. They know that. The players know it. They're not playing for him already. And so, no, I don't think Sari will be there. But I still don't think it's a problem with Sari any more than it was a problem with Mourinho last time or Di Matteo or you, you, name, you can name 20 managers probably in, in that era that haven't been given a proper chance to build something at a club, you know? I think the reason that they don't go for this sort of massive overhaul is that their short-termism almost sort of works to a degree because they have this sort of boom and bust cycle where... You know, they shit the bed one year, they finish like 10th, and then the next season they win the Premier League. And you think, well, mm. out of two seasons, that's not too bad. And that's 
much easier just get two managers in than trying to sort of plan over six years. Do you not think, Carl? It's sort of a well, you know. But is a, that is that is that good though? It's not good, but it works for Chelsea, works doesn't, for it, Chelsea Carl, doesn't it, Carl? Because yeah, I suppose that's the trouble, isn't it? Because they've had success from it, they kind of obviously you wonder whether they just feel now that they can just follow that model. And obviously, in the past, obviously they've been lucky, haven't they? That they've kind of had the um, the money to go out and just get whoever the top man is at the time and bring them in. Um, and it, but it doesn't look like Abramovich is is running the club that way anymore. So I, I get the feeling there might be a desire to start actually getting in a solid manager um, and actually start building a proper club, um, one that's prepared to give you a chance. I mean that now you get the feeling that that's what the supporters kind of want um, and you know you kind of feel that that's really now the next way Chelsea should go but someone may say we've had success following this this um, method and this approach for the last few years so if it's working why do we why do we want to fix it but I, I think there might be starting to be a desire that, that they actually follow a more solid you know solid model like what we have under Pochettino I think that might be the way that Chelsea may start looking to go and take the club forward so we may find if Sarri doesn't survive then they might be looking for a manager that they do actually view as a long term and then you know the, but Obviously, again, the problem they've got now is who's going in there with the transfer bans uh, coming and the fact that, obviously, you could lose the best player at the club um, in the summer um, because then that kind of sets you back, doesn't it, already? You know, you're kind of not on that same level as those top six or so clubs that are going to go and spend. And they're allowed to sell players? They're allowed to sell, aren't they? I think I don't think they can buy. I think they're allowed, they, the players can leave, I thought, but they I thought can't they actually oh, purchase they are. someone in. I thought no. I thought it was. I thought it was both ways. Well, regardless, I mean, if they can't buy anyone, it doesn't matter if they can't sell them. They'll just sort of be sort of floating around. But I'm trying to think of a, a name that might be a man who could be a long-term project at the club. What about? I know you're a fan of Bundesliga football, uh, JS. What about uh, Julian Nagelsmann? Would he be a good fit for Chelsea? Yeah, I like Nagelsmann, but then I I kind of feel like unlike Tuchel going to um to uh, PSG, I I I kind of feel like he wouldn't go to Chelsea. Do you think? As, no, no way. Especially with especially with the transfer embargo as well. He's I I think Nagelsmann's got a touch of the Pochettino about him. He's kind of like I I think he'd sort of slightly rather build something. Properly somewhere. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's got, it's got that kind of vibe about him. But what I'm saying is, if Chelsea have this sort of watershed moment and say, you know, we want someone to build a legacy at Chelsea, you know, they sort of have a line of the sand and think, let's all change. Could he be the man? Would he then be willing if they sort of said, right, you know, it's a blank canvas, carte blanche, do what you want. We're going to back you for sort of as many sort of years as we see fit. Could that but, then be? But they, but they won't, though, will they? And he's he's 31. Which is just mind blowing. Yeah, he's younger than us. <laughs> it's, four years, it's four years younger than me. That is so depressing. I can't even. <laughs> it's, I mean, that is just depressing, isn't it? it is. Oh, just just a quick one because I was throwing a random tidbit. Yep. If if you want to ever get a perspective on how shit you are as a human being, okay. Here's here's, here's the one that will depress the hell out of you, George George Harrison was 27 when the Beatles split up. There we go. What have I done with my life? <laughs> it, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, so glad, glad, glad I could cheer everyone up with that. But yeah, no, I, I can't see. Nate Nagelsmann's like, he's, he's, done, he's done amazingly well at Hoffenheim. I, I just don't see him moving to a club like Chelsea. He just won't do it. He'll go to like, uh, he'll 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 go to a club that offers more stability. Let's let's put it that way. Do you, do you know what I mean? And they're they're not a um, they're not one of those. How how would you call it? They're not like a prestige club either. Do you know what I mean? It's not like going to um, Bayern Munich or Manchester United or even Liverpool or AC Milan. It's like they they don't have a long a long kind of like rich royal history do you, do you know what i mean yeah, if, yeah. if if if, if you, 
Is that Cole just like moving furniture around? Or <laughs> no, we'll leave so, it. Keep going, keep going. But um, yeah, I, you know, I I can't see. I don't think Nagelsmann's the type to go to someone like PSG or Chelsea or you know, the only club I can think of that have gone down that kind of route. And I think this is why people don't sort of hate them in the same way that they do Chelsea or Paris is is Man City. Do you know what I mean? So if like Pep Guardiola at some point perhaps maybe goes, you know, decides he wants to I don't even know what he'd do next. Do you know what I mean? Like where would he go? Who knows? <laughs> you know, but the um, NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. maybe he'll go and pick up a a career as a classical guitarist, which he also is the ludicrously talented, handsome bastard. You know. Right. So, yeah. On that note, I think we've hit an hour, so let's wrap things up. There's plenty of other matches we didn't talk about in other teams. So apologies to sort of Leicester, Watford, Wolves, Everton, etc., etc. But I know there's midweek fixtures coming up, and there's not necessarily a full weekend of action um, this weekend. So we'll jam those all together in the next week's episode. And, uh, yeah, there'll be plenty to talk about then as well. So, before I sign off, I just need to thank my two guests, as always. Cole, thanks ever so much for your time this afternoon. Cheers, Ben. Sorry about the uh, door being open there, mate. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And the phone's going. It's all kicking off now. So, Cole, I'll let you go, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, Ben. Not a problem. And JS, as always, mate, thanks for your time. I hope you'll join me again sometime soon. Thank, thank you very much, Dan. It turned into a European edition. There we go. Yeah, we went continental. We just mixed it up. Why not? You exactly. Know, all good, yeah. all good. So on that note, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.